Hello and welcome to Story Mode, a video game podcast. I'm Simon Evans and today I'm joined by Jesse Munro and Keelan Simpson to chat about the Xbox Bethesda Showcase. Make sure you follow us on social media at AUS, and also check out StoryModeGaming.com for the latest in gaming news. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's streaming over here? Hey, guys, going? How things? How's life? Yeah, man, good. I thought I'd get the um the cheaper orange juice from Aldi because you know groceries have gone up like a ridiculous mm. amount. Um, and I love me some OJ. And this cheaper orange juice is absolute garbage. Garbage it is the yeah. worst. It is not Look. worth the the money money savings. So that's not going to happen. That's my orange juice review for the week. As a man who's slowly becoming more and more the same shape as Kirby, I know a lot about fruit juices, okay? And fruit juice is not something you can merely skimp out on. You need to pay that extra extra penny, okay? No, no, no. Go cheap out of the house. Don't use toilet paper, okay? Don't get the medicine that you need. Get the good juice. You can get there's a good Granny Smith apple one. Don't, don't. Tell people to have the medicine. I know you're going to say Simon. No, I know you're going to be like, hey, no, you I need wasn't. these things. I was going to say, you know what's All an right. incredible fruit juice that I don't think gets enough attention? Apple and mango. A good I apple agree. and mango combo oh, juice. Absolutely. That's oh, a staple for me, That's man. That's good shit right there. Like, top mm. quality. Worth it. Worth it every time. Um, A, a good um uh, blood orange juice always gets me. Mm. I always like a good blood orange juice. Yeah, no, this is a pro juice... Uh, produce podcast podcast okay orange apple mango a breakfast juice okay oh, don't go getting juice. that stuff from the aisle you know with the rest of like you know you know the island coals next to like the gator and stuff don't get that don't get that go to the fridge aisle okay treat yourself get that black label you know you want it go to a country town and find that weed that you find nowhere else because I just oh. went to a country-ish town in Mornington Peninsula and I was getting pineapple juice the likes you've never heard, okay? You have that in your mouth too long, your tongue falls off because the enzymes are just eating away mm-hmm. your, your mm. meat. Mm. You know that's good when it burns when it like that. Yeah. A food or drink is good when it eats back. Yeah. Okay, it has some fight in it. Uh, my my favourite orange juice is the street vendor orange juice from Camden in London. Now, if anyone's been Ooh. to Camden, they know the orange juice. All right. It's incredible. You pay a fair bit for it, but it is made literally right in front of you. And it is fresh and it is mm. delicious. I so when I was in um when I was in Thailand, they had like street vendors doing fruit juice. And they would it wasn't oranges, it was something else. It may have been um yuzu. Which is more Japanese. I don't know what they had in Thailand. I think it may have been yuzu, and they just make like juicing it obviously and put in these little plastic containers, and it was like crack. And I think I went from like my atomic clock of diabetes went from ten to eleven thirty after a few of those. It was <laughs> whoa, a good time. I need to cut back on it, but I'm not going to because this weekend I found out that Fireball and apple juice does indeed mix very well. They do. And, uh, they mix incredibly well. Well, the way for the weekend, I had, I had holiday. I needed, a, I needed a holiday away from you two, Chuckle Fox. So I went up to the Mornington Peninsula with some friends. And my word, <laughs> there was alcohol consumed. Good food as well. Um, we, we went on like a winery tour, which 
you would think it would just include one winery. We went to two wineries, a pub, a distillery, and a brewery. Uh, nice. That was good. Um, that was good. That was a good time. Pissing down rain, getting drunk on rum. Uh, had, a, had a hot buttered rum. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Yeah, man. Yeah, I I'm, 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 when I go to a bar at times, Keelan can semi-vouch for this. I do like to try myself something a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit fancy. Unless I'm broke, where I just go for beer. Yeah, fair. That's common. But while I was on said trip, I got to watch. Um, that's why I watched the uh, E3. Are we still calling it E3? Is this E3? No, it's the hashtag Summer Games Fest. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not part of it. Big Keely, okay? <laughs> nah, Jeff, you're, you're, Jeff's a wonderful, wonderful man. I'm a big fan of his energy. Um, I just, I always see as E3. Because whenever I think of E, like, you know, mid-June, I think of E3. I think of yeah. all those times when yeah. me and some mates would stay up until, you know, 2 a.m. Well, I mean, sorry, get up at 2 a.m., drink, eat bad food and yell at the TV and scream and get excited. Now look, that's sort of withered away as my fr- uh, a lot of my friends who live close by. I mean, I would love to have you two over one one e three week to uh, shatter games, but a lot of my friends who live close by have you know grown up and had kids and all this sort of wild, wild, ab- absolute uncouth behavior, um, and they don't want to scream at the TV at at four a.m. with me. So I had to do that by myself in this um, quaint kind of cottage next to the fireplace. I was caught up on a, on a beanbag watching it on the shitty little TV. It was a wholesome one. And I'll tell you what, watching the the Bethesda Xbox showcase while hungover slash drunk still, very tired, <laughs> put a certain spin on things, which now that I've watched all the trailers again a few times, I have very different opinions on some things, which is actually for the better. I think I went a little bit, went a little bit hot, a little bit bitter. I was, I was, I was live tweeting the whole thing. I was getting some jokes out there. Yeah, we, had, we had some great back and forth. It was some good times. It was some good times. But before we get into that, which will be the main crux of the show, how are you guys going? Oh, I am. Um, <laughs> just in general, for the last like few years, Keelan, how have you been? Oh yeah, just you in know, general. terrible. I lost all my hair, Jesse. How do you think I'm going? <laughs> you did. That will happen when you get older. Simon, what about you? I have spent um basically the past five days hanging out with uh two babies and um also my, my nieces. So I was hanging out with my brother, my sister, and my nieces. Hey. I can see that coming from a while away, but I still very much appreciate it. <laughs> um no, Jake's side, um, my brother Gaz from Fan Critical was finally able to come over to Perth for the first time in literally two and a half years. Last time I saw him was his wedding um, back in 2019. Which is where we met. No, we met before that. We met at the engagement party. Well, remember? sorry. Well, we got to get drunk, probably drunk together. Yeah, yeah, probably. It was that week. Oh. It was like that week, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, there's probably some people listening to this being like, wait, Gaz. Gaz and Simon are different people because you have the same voice. We, yeah, look, I have heard that quite a few times. I'm sure Gaz has heard it a fair bit as well. Um, but yeah, and um, it was awesome. Like it was really, really good. So Gaz and his wife were able to come over with their daughter. Um, so it was my first time meeting her, 
um, which a little bit felt a little bit overdue because she's eight months old now, but also it didn't feel like I was meeting her for the first time. It was really good, really oh, nice, that's sweet, yeah. And um, both my nieces are just they're gorgeous and they're funny and they're full of character. So it was genuinely really fun. Normally, I don't like hanging out with babies, but I'm related to these two, and they're pretty cool. So that is the most like wholesome sort of intro section to this podcast we've ever done. We've ever had. (laughs) I'm reminiscing about like you know being able to hang with friends and good people. You'll be able to see your family, seeing your nieces, absolutely beautiful. Keelan lost his hair. (laughs) It's real good shit. But let's bring the tone down a little bit in a moment. Um, no, look, I'm not going to go into a, like some sort of bad story. I mean, actually, let's get into the, the content of the episode because it is a jam-packed episode because it's been a jam-packed week. So jam-packed that this, let's treat this as a bit of a part one, okay? Mm, I think that's fair. E3 week, Summer Games Fest week, Jeff Keighley week, whatever you want to call it, means that there is a shit ton of announcements happening. Today, we're going to really focus in on the big Bethesda Xbox showcase that happened at like half fuck past 11 on monday morning for us in australia it was actually it was 3 3 a.m so right in the middle of the night um for us in victoria we're gonna focus in on that um obviously the bethesda acquisition is one of the biggest news stories in gaming ever so this is a much anticipated showcase but we've also got part, part two of the showcase itself the extended showcase happens uh, Wednesday morning in Victoria. Plus, we just had the Capcom showcase this morning. There's a lot of E3 stuff happening. So, later on this week, we'll be recording a part two, part two of this. And then next week, a bit of a cleanup. We're going to try and touch upon a bunch of games that either went under the radar or we simply didn't have time to talk about. But, let's talk Xbox Bethesda showcase. Guys, this one was... Different from the jump, and not just because, hey, this is the first Xbox Bethesda showcase. They came out from the start saying, hey, every game that you see today will be playable in the next 12 months. Hmm. Which was a very different tone setter. Something that, I'll be honest, I wish was announced earlier. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go through our sort of general thoughts at the moment. You know what, fuck it, I'll, I'll start off. Why not? Um, I find I found this the showcase's greatest strength and its greatest weakness. Because how many times in the past have we watched these sort of showcases and you see the game that you're like, that, that was a CGI trailer. I'm not going to see that game for four years and then it gets cancelled. I'm looking at you scale bound. It just comes to nothing. It was really cool that they were like, hey, no, everything you see here is, is as good as done, which is fantastic. But that also meant, hey, we're not going to have those big moments where you're just like, hey, I can't wait to play this game in four years' time. It's going to be incredible. Hello, Scalebound. But, you know, <laughs> you, we didn't get to see the rumored Indiana Jones game or the James Bond game or a- anything like that, which is half the fun of E3 week. I'm Sorry, I'm going to keep calling it E3 week. It's half the fun of it, yeah, that like, baseless speculation of just... It, it gets a rumor pumping for the next 12 months. We didn't really have have that moment we didn't have any of those big like mic drop moments we knew everything we saw basically we knew was coming in some in some respects there is uh, maybe they'll release stuff at sorry maybe they'll release stuff at the extended showcase but they haven't really indicated that's what that's going to be and i imagine if it was going to be that it would have been kind of hyped up a little bit more i was talking to kill him pre-show 
and what I would have loved to have seen because the zeitgeist around Xbox at the moment is well, where are the where are the games the next six months? Mm. And look, this showcase definitely put my mind at ease. They've got a really substantial roster um, coming out in the next twelve months. I would have loved if they said, "Hey, let's really grab this summer games week, whatever we're calling it, by the balls." And do two showcases. One, hey, this is everything you're gonna release. We're gonna release in the next twelve months. Don't worry about us. Those games are coming. Mm. And then another one saying, hey, this is the future of us because we've just made these massive acquisitions. This is our game plan. These are the games you're gonna play as a result of our partnership. This is your Indiana Jones. This is your James Bond. Blah blah blah. That would have been really really cool because we would get excited about the games we're about to play, but also always have that eye on the future of like, wow, this. Bethesda acquisition is going to pay dividends. We know there are games coming out like, you know, Elder Scrolls, but we never, I, I needed something for these games. I would have loved what, like a developer diary kind of thing for Elder Scrolls. Go through the studio, talk to the people who are making it. They don't have to give away any secrets of the game. Just being like, hey, you know, we've worked on this series for X amount of years. We're looking to really take the best parts of Skyrim, the things that made it really special, but we've also learned from our other games we've made, we have these partners we're working with alongside, you know, other Microsoft Studios. We're making this something like that, just to kind of be like, okay, this game is is in development because I think there's still that kind of attitude that they re- announced Outer Scroll Six on the back of the backlash of Fallout 70, um, 76. Yeah. That game bombed, and they came out real quickly. It's like, no, 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 we have other games coming out. Don't worry about it. And it feels like it was announced like three years too early. We haven't really heard anything anything since. It would have been nice to be like, hey, just a bit of a pulse check on the game. It's it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Elder Scrolls 6, actually, because we are now at a longer period. Like, it's been longer since Skyrim released than the time between Morrowind and Skyrim came out. Um, Like, that. that's... It's, it's kind of weird to put it in that perspective. I think you raise a few good points about the the showcase overall. I think I'm I'm pretty inclined to agree with you. One thing though that I thought was a real damper on the whole thing was the bit rate of the stream. Watching it live and seeing some of some of the games that you know are just meant to be stunning, like Forza, for example. That's going to happen with every live showcase. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Like, no, 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 that's in, a non-issue. No, no, it, like absolutely, yes, it is one of those things. It's going to happen, sort of, regardless. But I was watching the stream on YouTube, and it was locked to 720p. It wouldn't go any higher than that. So I'm like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm missing out on part of the excitement here because so. Uh, yep, I agree. Yeah, I, I, Jesse. Like, look, I, I understand your perspective as well. Like, maybe it is a non-issue, but like, it kind of is because it kills. So like, your, your when puzzle. I say it's a non-issue, it's it's a Look, that's the reality of having these things live. You can always watch it after the fact when it's yeah. coming out. Like, is hmm. it? Is it? Well, absolutely. I, well, the, absolutely. The, but it just sort of, yeah. The, the idea is like, is there not a, a better alternative to get these like live streamed in a in a higher Look, quality? I think that's a, that's a different conversation about it. about announcement showcases in general. Mm. Um, but, but what but did you guys think of this particular showcase? Um, uh, as a person invested into the Xbox ecosystem, I was just happy to know that there's some games coming out that I'd like to play, to be entirely honest. Um, they showed a lot of games, 33 games. It yeah. was it was sort of game after game. It was like maybe midway through they had the first people on stage. It's like, oh, shit, I forgot they do this. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it was good. I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to. I sort of I came in half assed. I was like, look, it's one a.m. I'll just sort of I'll, I'll just watch it. I'll just see what, what shit they're gonna give to me and roll into bed. And I sat there and I was like, fuck, this is really good. There are some really exciting things coming out. Well, without going into we we've kind of got our list of the games we're gonna speak to in a bit more detail. What are some of the games that stood out to you, um, Keelan? Oh, so I guess um other than the main major games that they announced, the one game that really stood out to me is Obsidian's new game, Pentiment. Weird name, mm. but um that was absolutely fascinating looking. So it's a it's supposed to be like a narrative game you kind of you make choices for your character and those choices sort of have flow on effects and stuff and essentially you're investigating a series of murders over the course of like 25 years um okay interesting concept but when you look at this game you're like holy i've never seen anything like this it's got this unique 2d art style that's inspired by like um 16th century um medieval books like yeah medieval like woodcut prints it's so specific and it is so unique i've never seen anything quite like it i'm quite interested in it because of that and it's launching in november as well which is like that's around the corner really so it it is to it is to medieval printings what cuphead cuphead was to saturday morning cartoons yeah right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah It, it had a really cool cool vibe to it and there's a lot of kind of smaller games like that also yeah. what, what's the game called pen, pen- pentiment pentiment is it. my favorite uh christian metal band <laughs> <laughs> we are pentiment get ready to praise <laughs> simon how about you uh my highlight um i think just generally speaking was not a new game. It was an update to an existing game. Sea of Thieves Season 7, given oh, yeah. to this us. This was so fun! Sh- Holy shit! That was awesome. I was the whole there, thing was like, delivered giggling. by song. So you get to play as a captain now, and you get to, like, what, save ships and stuff like that? Or Yeah, yeah, so you get to, like, save ship um, loadouts and stuff. So um, for those who haven't played Sea of Thieves... Uh, when you, anytime you boot up the game, and whether you're joining a couple of friends or not, you have to customize your ship every time. Otherwise, you get given just generic basic bitch boat, uh, which is fine if that's what you want. But you know the cosmetics are really cool; they're really fun. Um, and so you can save that. You can also name your boat, and also finally you can customize the captain's quarters of your ship. Which, if you're playing yeah. with four people and you've got a big galleon, uh, can like it's it's a decent size area, and that's obviously where you saw most of your loot. So you want it to look cool. So this will be really fun. Uh, I'm actually super looking forward to this because I've been kind of iffy about Sea of Thieves for a little while. I'm like, ah, I enjoy it, but also I get really frustrated with it. And there hasn't been anything to pull me back in recently. And then this this is it. This has got me. I'm like, we're playing this again. Sea of Thieves is such a game to be celebrated right now because remember when it first came out? It's like game's huge but shallow as fuck. Yeah consistently updating it like no man's sky just these constant updates are just fleshing out the game and really rewarding those players who are stuck with it this looks fun i i'm keen to jump in i think 
the whole thing about being able to customize your own ship is now that you have ownership of it. You know, you mm. feel like it's yours. You're going to yeah, protect exactly. that thing. At the moment, exactly. like whenever I've played it, I'm like, yeah, my, sink sh- my ship sinks. Like, okay, A, it was probably my fault. And B, I just get another one. Who gives a shit? But if my yeah. stuff's in there, I'm going to protect it. Now, I have I have two um, things that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, we'll go through one a bit more next week, which is um, Cocoon, a new game by the guys who made Limbo oh, yeah. and Inside. Two of my... Sorry, was it Limbo and Inside or was it Limbo and... Yeah, Limbo and Inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah Limbo and Inside. Um, two of the best games I've ever played. Absolutely adore it. You play as like some sort of like Beetleborg sort of thing. Little, <laughs> little, little beetle creature. Are you doing puzzles? But it looks like every time you finish a puzzle, you go... You sink deeper into the world. So things are getting smaller and smaller. I really want to see what they do with that. But just purely based on the, the puzzles I've seen... The history of the games that they've made, obviously, the soundtrack and just the art style in general. This is a very me game, very, very keen at it. But the one that makes me happy, and look, this is a game when it first came out, really enjoyed it. I wasn't any good at it, but I appreciate what it is so much. And I follow a few people on Twitter who are so head over heels in love with what this game does and how it all works and operates. Um, the Microsoft Flight Simulator update looks brilliant. Mm. Looks really, really good. So you can play yeah. as, you know, helicopters. I guess some, old, some of the old timey planes back when planes were stupid as fuck. Mm. Could be like yeah. ultra modern sort of drone things. Exactly. I love that. And also you got this Halo Infinite update. The only time Halo, the Halo Infinite was announced, sorry, mentioned this whole Xbox showcase, which is concern. But you can fly the or oh, Keelan fill me in. What's this? What's the ship you got? It's called a Pelican. A Pelican. I only know that because my Twitter wouldn't shut up about it and Pelican was trending. And I'm like, oh, why are people talking the about the bird? bird? And then I looked at it and I'm like, oh. Guys, I got to hand feed a duck this weekend just to jump back to, to, to birds, pelicans and such. I got to hand feed a duck, a kangaroo, and a small kangaroo that wasn't a wallaby. It's called like a... Oh, fucking... <laughs> Chaz was, I don't know. But I got to feed it. It was a very, very good time. I'm going to send you guys a photo. It was, it was I cute. Thought, I thought you agreed his name was Quilby. Quilby? No, it wasn't Quilby. What did I name it? I can't remember. <laughs> I'll have to pull it up. Like Goose Terror or something. I don't know what it was. But let's get into <laughs> the games themselves. Crambilly. Starting off. What was it? Crambilly. Oh, Crambilly. Yeah, it's yeah. all Crambilly. He's a good, he's a good <laughs> lad. <laughs> let's start off with Redfall. Redfall is a game that we saw... Um, it was first sort of revealed what, earlier this year or look, time is a flat circle. doesn't really matter. But this is the first time we got to see some gameplay because that's what this showcase had a lot of gameplay, mm. which was great. But we got to actually see what, see what Redfall is. Um, this is a game from Arcane. So stay behind Prey and Dishonored and definitely wears that. On, you you know an Arcane game when you, when you see it. Yeah. It's got a little bit of Bethesda jank, but the combat's fun. Uh, and that's what this seems to show off. So you're going around the town. It reminded me a lot of uh, Midnight Mass. You go around, you're fighting vampires, you got powers. It seems to be solo. You can play solo, but you can also play with a team. Um, very much like, you know, there's those co-op kind of games, like, you know, you're left for dead and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, left mm. for dead with vampires, but more stylish. What do you guys think? I 
I'm, I'm going to come out the gate here and be a little bit negative, actually. It kind of put me off of the game. Because I remember when the initial trailer showed, and I was quite excited at the prospect of this game. And I think you two were not as not so much. Whereas now, I feel like the tables have turned, and it actually put me off a little bit. I feel like the overall tone for the game looks really unfun. It just makes me think of Back for Blood, which released, what, a year ago? Um, what? What didn't you find fun, though? The lack of proper banter between the teammates. Ah, okay, and, yep. Yeah, there's like, a lot of that in the first trailer. And, yeah, like, I wanted it to be a little bit silly. I wanted it to be a little bit, you know, cheeky and off the wall and not taking itself too, too seriously. Be like, look how fucking ridiculous this is. We're shooting a vampire in the face. Weird. You know, have a bit of a laugh with it, but it was like, Okay, team, we're going to go in quite... And, like, someone's got splintered cell, like, stealth abilities going in. Which to be cool. fair, though. Like, that's fucked. That but was that- just... They, they showed off a few different mission types, and they did show off a stealth part, which is obviously not going to be fun. It's going to be stealth. Yeah. But yeah, they did but- show some more, like, sort of bombastic action scenes, especially when you're using that... Um, uh, like phone booth power. So every character has 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 a different yeah. power. You're using shotguns and rifles and blah blah blah. But each character has a, have a different power, and one of them has a phone booth which you launch down and use as a bit of a, a jump, jumping off point. I, I I'm hoping you can upgrade that a lot because I reckon that could have a lot of yeah yeah. And the thing that. is, is that again, sort of inherently, it looks like it will be good, but I don't think it will be fun. I think those are two very different things and it just there isn't enough about it that makes me go, yes, that's it. That's gonna be really fun. I'm in. It looks like, yeah, that will be a good FPS to play with a few few friends, but yeah. What about you, Kills? So Arcane are known for making emergent sims. So games like Prey, Dishonored, um, that kind of thing. And I didn't really see much of that in this game. It kind of just seems like, like I said before, Left 4 Dead, but with vampires. And that could work, but like what I'm really looking for to set this apart from games like Back 4 Blood and Left 4 Dead is those like arcanisms, you know? Um, maybe a bit of an inventory system with interesting usable items that you can you can use to help you out. Um, maybe just a bit of weird, interesting, emergent gameplay stuff that you can put together, like environmental traps or something like that, and oh, using your abilities to sort of like build everything all kind of together. I didn't see a lot of that in there, but you know, I, I don't really know what the whole game is going to look like. What I will say is that the gunplay looks solid, and yes, yeah, of of everything that I've seen in this showcase, the most solid gunplay belonged to Redfall. So. Looks satisfying yeah. to play at the very least. <laughs> Definitely says something about the game they're going to talk about later on. Um, <laughs> I, I agree with that. I think th- this looked a lot more fun than I expected. I love the narrative that the vampires have cordoned off this town. They've blocked out the sun somehow and also pushed all the water back. I'm like, yeah. okay, I, need, I, need to, I want to find out more about that because that sounds like a lot of fun. It, it seems to very much not take itself too seriously, but I would have liked a bit more... Um, dynamic movesets between uh you know the members of your team members of your squad and like you said killing like some some items to use some traps um mm. i would have really i think a lot of the abilities we saw weren't upgraded i'm hoping that you did a very robust upgrade system so you can really tailor how your character works yeah. 
because you could do some really, really cool shit and work together and stuff like that. But that was a little bit lacking. I, I almost wanted to be a bit more of like an Overwatch. Like I want there just mm. to be like weird shit happening everywhere and every character is playing dynamically different. Yeah. Which isn't quite what we got. But it still seems fun and a, it's a very good Game Pass game. Yes. I yes, agree this, with this that. is going to be like, yeah, yeah. let's jump on and play, play some Redfall. I, I, I'd yes. be keen on that. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think I actually found this trailer really fun. I think, oh, the music choice in this, it just it worked really well with really well cut. I love trailers that have like things in inside the actual video itself that line up with the music. And this had a bit where the music like had like, you know, like a four beat and people were reloading their guns. I'm like, oh, oh you got me. You got me, Redfall. I, I, I know I'm keen on this and I can't make f- fucking fun games most of the time. Most of the time. So, most of the time. So, I'm keen to see what this is about. Another game that I've actually come around to, and this is a game that I've never played a single second of, and it's not Minecraft Simon. We'll we'll discuss off air one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Diablo was- 4 looked fucking rad. <sighs> Ke- Ke- well, we'll start with Keelan. Keelan, yeah, yeah. you used to be our, our Di- Diablo-man. Diablo-man. Diabloke. You're the Diablo bloke off the show. Oh, what do you think of, uh, that. of Diablo 4? Thanks, man. Uh, well, okay. So I love what I'm seeing here. Like, I really mm-hmm. like um, what's been shown. It's um, that return to that darker aesthetic. You know, we've seen that before, but it was really, it came into effect here for me today. It kind of like sunk in, not today, but like in this uh, um, presentation. It sunk in just how much of a difference that darker art style has to like the, the tone, the aesthetic, the mood of the world. Um, I really like what it's showing there. Um one thing that jumped out to me in the trailer was the presentation of the world events. So, like those big, big monsters, and yeah. then you can kind of group up yeah. with people and take them down. Um, that was an element that I really loved um, about games like Destiny and, of course, like MMOs. Like it's a pretty regular thing to find in MMOs, but to have it inside of Diablo as well is just awesome. It's really fun because it's not so much a mmo kind of style where you have a designated no. tank and uh and dps and healers and stuff everyone's just kind of going for it at once and you got to look out for yourself and i really like that um moving past that as well so the first few trailers that we saw of diablo 4 a few years back now um the combat looked okay in this trailer it looks like they've really honed in on what makes that good um and the interesting thing is we've gone with the similar aesthetic to Diablo 2, but the actual combat is much more reminiscent of Diablo 3. It's what I call like friction-free kind of combat where you can kind of just mow through your enemies easily. You can move through them easily. In Diablo 2, that was not the case. That was, you, you kind of, this. it's like a feeling. It's like a tactile thing. When you're clicking on enemies and stuff, you kind of get stuck in the middle of things. It makes It makes you feel like you're in like a, um, an actual hand-to-hand combat scenario and you've got to negotiate the location of the enemies and stuff. In this game, that seems to be less of an issue and it's more ability management, similar to Diablo 3. So I'm, yeah. really, I'm really liking that because Diablo 3, when you're rolling with that, that feeling that you get, you feel absolutely unstoppable. So if I want more of that, I think this is going to be the place to find it. I had an interesting experience, though, when I was watching it. I'm like, oh, man, this looks so good. My partner was watching as well. She saw what I was watching, and she's like, 
what the hell is this? It looks like a mobile game. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, it's not weird. wrong. To, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. wrong. Well, I, I didn't have anything to say to that. I'm like, actually, yeah, wow. Somebody okay. needs to recut that trailer to be one of those real bad mobile ads that we've been talking about a fair bit lately. It's like, you have a level five ant? How'd you get that? I'm getting that, I'm getting that fucking ant game so much lately. I don't want to play that- it. She brought that up. She's like, this looks like one of those things like where it shows you your level one character and then it shows you a level 32 character and it's like just a buff version of the one character. And honestly, yeah, I, I can understand that, but I don't so know. So she's this- talking about like a real like cheap, nasty version of the game full of like microtransaction stuff. Was she talking about mm-hmm. Diablo Immortal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I told Got her. Got him! But yes, hey. anyway... I think that's a valid criticism, um, but maybe more so, not that Diablo 4 looks bad, it's just that uh, mobile trash microtransaction. We're inspired by games like Diablo. Yes, inspired, and also they have increased the level of quality quite dramatically over the past couple of years. At least in the CGI trailers that we see. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's interesting as well because, like, that sort of camera angle, that like almost isometric view as well, I think a lot of people associate. Nowadays, anyway, with mobile games. Yeah. It works well. And yeah, absolutely. It absolutely does. I think the trailer was interesting, and I like it. But part of me is a little bit tentative about Diablo 4 going forward. And that's because Diablo 3 was a bit of a mess at launch. Diablo Immortal is very predatory with its microtransactions, and I'm worried that they're not going to ease up on the gas here with Diablo 4 and it's going to launch with so they've some bullshit. They've come out and said there's going to be like a, a in-game store per season, which isn't uncommon. Um, and it says optional, they're only going to be selling optional cosmetic, optional cosmetics. I'm fine with that. That's, yeah, fine. Perfectly fine with that. If you can start buying buffs and shit, get stuffed. But um, look, I, I, I like being able to purchase optional cosmetics as long as yeah. you, as long as also while you play the game, you can earn good, you know, decent cosmetic um, options as well. I don't mind the option to buy them. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if it's the whole transmog system is sort of locked behind microtransactions, that'll be really unfun and quite cool. shit. Um, but probably my only other real complaint about Diablo 4 is the character roster. The only reason I'm saying that is because my main character for Diablo 3 was um, the, not the warrior, the other tank. I've completely forgotten what Crusader. they're called. They're the Crusader, thank you. Um, and there's no Crusader-like character, and now I'm sad, and that's it. I just wanted a Crusader. Uh, it's coming oh. in the DLC, Simon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. $35 for it, baby. They, yeah, they're going to do a reverse Necromancer, which is what they did in Diablo yeah. 3. No Necromancer. Yeah. The reverse a- Necromancer, um, don't go on Urban Dictionary to find what that is. It's called, it's called a doctor. <laughs> Too shit. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of the character, right, though. Bravo. So, okay, I need to understand the timeline here because something confused me, and if if I'm correct here, I found this a little bit disappointing um, and maybe one of the reasons why this hasn't had as much hype as I thought it would. Because the big reveal. This, was, this wasn't this was the first gameplay footage we've seen, is it? No. No. Okay, when was where? 
I don't remember was when it? exactly, but it was a couple of years, I think. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years back. So, so, so it's been quite a long time. The game has changed a fair bit, and this is the first proper look in quite some time. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think I the think stuff that kind we of- got prior was kind of very, well, relatively early stages. Yeah. So this is the first proper look at where the game is right now. Mm. I think... And look, this is coming from somebody who who's not within the sort of realm of Diablo. And showing this off with the announcement of the Necromancer as a as a class was a very strange misstep. I wish they came in and said, hey, this Diablo 4, you haven't seen it for a few years. Here you go. It looks different now. It's darker. Holy shit. How cool. Also, great news. Necromancer's back. Because they had this really long CGI thing off this Necromancer. As somebody who didn't know, like... I'm looking at him like, am I meant to recognize who who this is? And then when you actually compare it to the gameplay, it looks obviously quite different. It it felt like a really muted way to show off such a high profile game. And I think it's one of the reasons it felt a little bit buried in the rest of the showcase. This should have been a real big moment because we haven't seen it in a few years. And it's such a beloved and well-known franchise. Off the back of Immortal, which look is getting is shit because it's predatory as hell. Yeah, um, I think it would have been a really good moment to be like, "Hey, no, this is this is what Diablo is." No, nah, I think oh. I think that sort of stems from Activision Blizzard's reputation at the moment, um, which obviously isn't being helped by Diablo Immortal and also Overwatch Two and all of the other drama that they're broiled up. How does that, in how is that affecting the for for reference? Look, because you hear Activision Blizzard, you go, oh, right, like yeah, but I mean, they, can, they showed up that it's Diablo Four anyway. Like we found, they're not hiding that fact. For reference, the trailer that was released, the first official gameplay trailer, was two years ago. They followed that up with a reveal in the, in that first trailer. They revealed the first three classes. In the follow-up trailer, they released uh, the Rogue class, and they showed a bit of gameplay of the Rogue class as well. And then they've basically just done the same thing here again, but with the um, the final class, Necromancer. And then they've shown, I guess, what is coming to be like the final sort of like gameplay experience that you might expect once the game launches on launch day. It just felt like they were very unsure of themselves. I don't know. I, I wish the game was delivered with a bit more confidence, a bit more showmanship. Because it looks good. I think they've got a cool product here. And I'm, I'm quite intrigued. This this will be the first Diablo, Diablo game I will uh, I'll play. Speaking of a bunch of games I've never played before. And this, again, another thing that's been really, not buried, but I think is a monumental moment for Microsoft and Xbox. They're partnering up with Riot. Um, so Game Pass owners will soon be able to enjoy the world of multiple Riot titles, including League of Legends, Valorant, Team Fight Tactics, Tactics, I can't even say that word properly, League of Legends of Wild Rift, and Legends of Rune Terror, whatever the hell that is. Um, yeah, full crossover. There's going to be a bunch of like characters and stuff you get that you, you know, through Riot, people have had to earn and pay for. So sorry, guys. But this is big. Look, I played a bit of Valorant, wasn't any good at it. Um, and I, I quite enjoyed it. Having this, you know, be able to run through Game Pass. I always had trouble trying to like play Valorant with a controller. I'm hoping you can do that now. I don't. I don't know if it's been updated or not. Hopefully, I can. Uh, this is huge. Like Xbox basically just picked up League of Legends. That yeah, in the big. Is this going to drive you guys to play any of these games? Absolutely not. Okay, cool. <laughs> Give Give you a fair enough. 
You, you could hold me at gunpoint and I'll take the bullet. I'm not Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like, this is fantastic, especially for um, the people that are sort of in both communities, you know, the League of Legends fancy, um, the Riot fans, um, and even people that have maybe been a bit unsure about it, getting to test out all of the heroes, things like that. that that's cool. That, that's a really big thing. It's a massive win for Game Pass. But <laughs> I personally could not give less of a shit. I'm I sorry, Riot. Off the I know back your stuff of, is good, um, but it's not for me. Off the back of Sony partnering up with Ubisoft for PlayStation Plus, I think this is almost Xbox's counter. and It's a, it's a much bigger counter. They've, uh, they've done well well here, so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I also, Jesse, I wonder how it will integrate with like Xbox like as a whole. Like, will they bring those applications to like the I don't know the Xbox ecosystem? Who knows? I want achievements in League. I'd play it if it had achievements. <laughs> Speaking of games coming to Game Pass, though, Persona. This is, a, again, oh, another man. real big... It's almost oh. the more I go through these notes I've written, I'm like, this is an exceptionally good showcase. This had some real major moments in it. So uh, Xbox, Microsoft have never really done well in Japan, and basically Milky Phil Spencer came out and said, hey, y'all hate us over there, fair enough. Persona, how about that? Have a Persona. So we need <laughs> Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 all coming to Game Pass. Now, this, this at no point did they say exclusively to Game Pass, and I can confirm that if you, I think it was the next day, Atlas came out and said, look, they're coming to P- PC and uh, PS5, so don't stress. But it means that these games are going to be readily playable for all those who have missed out. Um, the mainline Persona games are not too hard to access. It's always these spin-offs that are kind of tricky. So my partner who, look, a friend of the show, Lawn Gibbs years ago told me to play Persona, play Persona 5. She grabbed me by the shoulders and she shook me. Okay. So I bought it because I'm scared of her, but I never played it. Oh, sorry. I played maybe an hour off it. I'm like, ah, this is not for me. My partner's like, oh, I'll give it a go. Anyway, 450 hours later, she's a big fan of Persona 5. So she is, she lost her shit over this. She's been wanting to play um, Persona 3 Portable for quite a long time. So, uh, this, this is really, this, this news makes me happy for a franchise that I'm not overtly invested in. The people are, it seems to be Persona as a series where you either don't really care or, oh my God, tattoo Persona on my chest. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those people are very happy. Very, very happy. Do you say what's well, the appeal? Yeah. Why, why do people like it okay. so much? Well, um, you get to control your life and what's the you don't get to do in real life is control it. Yeah, true. Uh, but also, um, incredible RPG combat akin to, well, I mean, obviously it's a spinner from the Shin Megami Tensei franchise. Um, it's the music, normally like the music. The, yes, absolutely. Wow. The music is incredible in basically every Persona game. Um, there's always like this sort of spirit and sense of rebellion, and it's quite fun and quite intoxicating in a way. Like, <laughs> You get to a certain point in Persona 5 and you're like, yeah, I want to wear a leather jacket and kick somebody's fucking head in with a leather boot as well. Just like, oh, I really want to. It gets you really Damn. amped up. Like, it's so fun. It's just such a good time. And obviously, there's like a little bit of like um, anime high Killing. school stuff going on in the background, but that's always a backdrop to it. 
Mm. Keelan, Not let me sum this up phase. to you in a way I think you'll understand very well. Japanese punk. Yeah. It actually. makes you feel like a Japanese punk. Now, think of Japanese punk music, how it's um, badass. It's that. Yeah, it is like unashamedly flamboyant but cool. Uh, look, I can talk up the game so much, but it doesn't interest me at all because I found, I found it kind of slow. Um, but some sad news about Persona. Um, uh, voice actor Billy Kamitz passed away, 35, yes. 35 years old. Uh, Played Dr. Maruki in uh, Persona 5 Royale. Which is uh, quite sad. 35. That fucking sucks. Also did voice like in, uh, I think, Naruto Attack on Titan as well. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah that. So, yeah. look, do yourself a favor. Pick up Persona 5 Royale. And um, apparently his character is like one of the best characters in the game. He's like a, a doctor or a psychiatrist or something like that. Uh, so, give that a go. Uh, look, I'll, I'm, I'm going to give... I'm going to give one of these games a go. One of them. Lorne, if you're listening, message me. Tell me which one. Don't hit me. I'm scared of you. I'm going to say my personal recommendation from the... That's the thing. I only played, I don't know, maybe about 10 hours tops of Persona 5. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, I didn't get very far into it. But it is one of those things I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I will just need to set the, the set the time aside. And so having it come to Game Pass for me... I'm like, perfect. That's it. Hmm. Like, I'm as, as soon as that becomes available to download, I'm downloading it and I'm going to just smash through it because oh, it's just so damn good. It's so fun. It's so hard to express just how liberating well, that game feels. Keeping up the theme of um, sort of Japanese-supported studios, um, a little bit of Wii came out when Hideo Kojima popped up on my screen. Yeah, because yeah, I'm a big fan of that man. Um, so this has been rumored for a long, long time. Kojima is doing something with Xbox. He said that he's he's, he's going to make the games he's been wanting to make for a while. He's been tracing down different technology to make it. And he's very interested in sort of the cloud-based computing that Microsoft can offer. So there will be a, I believe, a console exclusive game being made uh, from Kojima Productions. That's all we know. Nothing else was said. Uh, we have no timeline on this. There were a lot of people online getting really upset about this. Um, to them, I say, shut the fuck up. Play Metal Gear Solid. I don't know. Like, anyway, to the point where Kojima Productions had to come out and say, hey, mom and dad aren't fighting. We still love Sony. We're still friends. Okay, we're yeah. still going to make games with them. Just everyone shut the fuck up. Man, so, yes, I, I would like guy. to uh, echo their sentiment of shut the fuck up. Sorry, this guy's a he's a he's a mercenary. He mm. uh, <laughs> he's starting his own. What did they call the the military company? PMCs. Oh P- yeah, baby. GDC, well, private game so development company. Okay. <laughs> look, we don't really have much to talk about in regards to this announcement because look, we will in episodes, you know, months times, we actually get to find out something concrete. But when Kojima Productions put out this tweet, they said we'll continue to, to work on, um games, TV shows, movies. Okay, those things don't surprise me. Music. Yeah. Oh, man. I want Kojima to start up his own music label. It's going to just be Churches and Bring Me the Horizon and Low Roar. It's going to be sick. (laughs) Yeah, and also, it's interesting because, like, (laughs) he says that, and I'm like, you, your Twitter feed is, like, almost 50% music and 50% movies. So, like... 
Okay, this Holy is one shit, of the reasons I really like, and I know every now and then I go into my little Kojima rants, and he's he's a deeply problematic man at points. But something I like about him is he is a very well-regarded alter. What he what he does, he does stuff his own way. But I also yeah. like that he is still very much a fan of things. I feel mm. like some people who become so invested in their own art that it's just that's their that's their world. They will listen to. Sorry, not so much listen to, but they will follow sort of the the classics because they they put themselves in the same category, and they won't accept new shows, movies, new art. Kashima seems to be the opposite. Like his Twitter feed at the moment is for the last few months, at least, has been him thirsting over Rahul Kohli, which I I'm shipping these two. Okay, that's beautiful friendship. <laughs> And he's losing his shit at the moment for Top Gun Maverick, which I really want to see. But yeah. every time like, a, new, you know, a new band release, like he was going off about the new like Block Party album, he yeah, which is, yeah. is iffy. Um, he just appreciates art and culture, and he just wants to absorb more and more. So I, I, that's why I really like that he's like, "Hey, we're looking for the best technology to push our games forward." Say what you will about Death Stranding, we've gone through this a number of times. It was a t- technologically, it was an absolutely marvelous game. It is some really, really cool shit. I love that they're just continuing to push it. And wherever that technology lays, they will go. They're not going to just be like, no, we are. We're Sony. I I really like the mentality behind this move. So I'm hoping they um we get something, something good. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But let's move to what was the start of the show. This is a game we definitely knew was going to be spoken about because they said it a few months ago. The next big game from Bethesda Studios, Todd Howard came out and announced, well, didn't announce, but he got to show off Starfield. We finally got some gameplay footage of Starfield. About 15 minutes of this presentation was dedicated to Starfield in its entirety. And I will be honest, when I first saw it as part of the stream, I was underwhelmed a little bit. But I've watched the trailer a few more times, read a bit more about it, and kind of gone over my thought my own thoughts a little bit more and i'm like okay no i'm i'm coming around to this a little bit more than i thought i would um keelan let's start with you starfield just broad strikes what did you think um i'll just start with the negative quickly so this looks like a last gen game um it's only coming out on current gen and pc um when the ship lands it looks like PS2 level Steam. Okay. Like Metal Gear Solid it, 2 look better. This game is like, not coming out for a year. That's. It looks bad for first showing. And it is a current gen game only. It I would expect something slightly better. Fortunately, the faces look a little bit better than Fallout 4 and 76. So that's a, a step in the right direction. Still a little bit lifeless. Whatever. It's a Bethesda game. It's the eyes. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah. The faces and look better. There's uh, there's numerous things which look amazing, to be honest. Uh, the shipbuilding is like the, my highlight from that entire thing. That looks awesome. It looks. It was so shockingly good. in depth because it wasn't yes. just like, yeah. hey, put a few middle pieces on, put a nose kind on, put your thrusters on. People, you could no. build this thing out like horizontally, vertically, exactly. orientation as well. Like, it seemed fun. That that seems that's like right up my alley. The the polar opposite to that, but still in the same realm, is the settlement building. No thanks. You tried it in Fallout Four. Like I'm sure some people love that, but that's not for me. 
Um, the cities look really cool. It looks um, interesting and quite unique. Um, the the variety of cities that you have. I hope it's not just like the the two variants, but you know, um, anti gravity combat is cool in theory, and I like the footage that I saw. That looks really interesting. As does the space combat. The space combat actually looks fun. I don't want it to be like a flight simulator. I want it to be a video game, so I can just easily get into my spaceship and blow up other spaceships and not worry about X, Y, Z and like all these different planes of movement and stuff. What I, I liked about things. that space combat is, so look, there's going to be a lot of comparisons made to No Man's Sky, but I'll get into my, why I think that's wrong in a lot of aspects in a moment. But I think when you compare it to a game like No Man's Sky, which has a lot of sort of uh, space combat at the moment, it's very arcadey. There's no real weight to it. This game seems to have, your ship seems to have the weight of a simulator game, of like a, a flight simulator. The ship has weight and you need to actually control it and thrust at the right time. But then the, the actual gunplay itself looked maybe a bit overtly simple at, the, at this point. I would like to see if there's other ways to take down a ship than shooting a bunch of bullets at it. Uh, I want to see some real clever shit you could do. Oh, but like yeah, the, uh, on second watch, mm. yeah, stuff like that. On second watch, the space combat is actually something that blew me away. It also graphically looked tight. The spaceships, once you're in space, things look yeah. good. Yeah, 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 it does. It looks great. It's just a shame that like not everything holds up. The planets, like mm. the actual uh, the the coverage over the ground, it makes it look real bare bones and like real PS3 era. One thing, um, it, because space, some things look so good. I'm actually personally. Kind of giving this trailer the benefit of the doubt. Look, it's a year away. Frame rates are going to be fixed. Uh, oh. Some some graphical issues will be fixed. You'd hope if it comes out. And look, they haven't been fixed. Like frame rates still shit. Blah blah blah. Yeah, sure. I think I think that's when the right time to criticize it. I think being a year out, they've they've clearly said, hey, this we need to bake this a little bit longer. I I, I appreciate they've come out and said, look, we need we need longer time on this because it's not looking how we want it. Yeah, Which is making me think that's... that they've seen this and be like, look, we have the showcase coming out in a month or so. We're going to have to show this off. But we know that this is a problem and we know we need to fix this. My, yeah, that's my final sort of piece that I had there. Um, I've got one more thing other than that. But basically, they have a year now to sort of address the feedback that they've gotten from like the entire world about the game because I'm sure everyone is eagerly awaiting this. I mean, this is the follow-up, the real follow-up to Skyrim through Fallout 4. Um, we're getting a protagonist who is silent, and that is just thank God. Great news! I'm so happy about that. Um, Ooh, unpopular now, opinion coming from me, then. The um, the shooting has, I don't know. It looks it, it looks similar to cyberpunk cyberpunk shooting, to be honest. And it's not bad, but it, it's also you know it's no like Destiny or, or Halo or anything like that, but. It is what it is. It's a role-playing game uh, primarily, and as long as it's doing that well, that's great. One final piece of feedback. I don't like Ainon Zer's score whatsoever. I, I think it is super generic. It sounds way too close to the Fallout 4 main theme as well. He's using similar flourishes, uh, similar sort of like melodies and stuff. It's just... Nah, dude, it does not work. If you want a good sci-fi score for reference, go to Mass Effect, any of the th first three Ooh. Mass Effect games. Mm. That was such a niche, but like, that was like a shiv to the fucking ribs at for him. Take mm. that. I'm sorry, But you are man, right. Like, I, I found the score quite underwhelming, unfortunately. It's underwhelming. 
Simon, what are your broad stroke thoughts off Starfield? Mm. <laughs> uh. It's half baked at the moment. I think they've got a lot of really cool potential, a lot of really interesting ideas. I think there's a few things that have not really been thought out, perhaps as well as it could be. My biggest concern is the size of the system that we're allowed to explore. Can we put a pin on that? Because I want that to be our last point, because I think we're going to have a very robust discussion on that. Because, yes, I think we all have big thoughts on that. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Otherwise, I largely agree with you, Keelan. I um, I think the combat itself, it just looks boring. I think, like, just just the... And also, who are you fighting? You're fighting space pirates. Why are you fighting space pirates? Space pirates are cool. Why aren't you a space pirates. pirate? They're pirates. But I want to. I want to be a pirate. Pirates are cool. You can, get- you can be a pirate. They're a faction no. you can join. Yes. Yeah. No. I know. I'm aware of that. But I'm just saying. Like, just it was a weird thing to choose for the trailer. I feel like it felt like ah, oh, cool, generic human enemies in my sci-fi shooter, which isn't a shooter. It's an RPG. Like, mm, I don't know. It. It just kind of. It took the wind out of my sails a little bit. The ship's still standing, and I'm overall pretty happy with the condition of it, but just sort of made me lose a little bit of momentum uh, in, yeah, a a fair few points. I think some of the terrain uh, just isn't finished. Yes. From from the looks of it, it just just straight up doesn't look finished. Uh, But again, as we've said, there's still a year to go. They can tighten that up. They can refine some of the textures. They can, you know, fix some things. I don't think combat's going to be fixed. I think we're going to get kind of boring regular combat. But if the space combat is really fun, that's okay by me. I'd sooner have fun space combat yeah. than the other way around. Hmm. And Because you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to make <laughs> um, a Millennium Falcon, but sideways. So it looks like a disc, and I'm going to cut through everyone like a saw blade, and you can't stop me. You know, because of how space works, the Millennium Falcon flies the disc as well. You you can't have an upright Millennium Falcon because it's a 3D space. But the way it <laughs> moves is... I'm making a big dick. I'm going to fly it all <laughs> over the galaxy. Yeah, the but, then, but then, hang on, fly. On, on that point, if we're in space, how do the ships have weight, Jesse? Huh? How do you how do you deal with that? How do they have weight? Yeah, because you're saying Simon, that you're, they, you're they right. have weight. <laughs> it's it's the the Falcon is oriented horizontally and the seats don't rotate. So yeah, yeah, you, you want something that's in the undercarriage sh- yeah. in the undercarriage turret. It does. Yeah, in that turret it does. I'll have you know, the, sir. Don't get cocky, kid. Also, also, right, the Millennium Falcon isn't covered in like. Teeth and swords and that's a good point. Things, if you can make a big which, s- like sky blade, yeah, space that's blade. That's what I want to do. All right, okay. Now I'm on board. Yeah, good. Now I'm Odd on board. job. Eat your heart out. All right. I'm gonna get through my pros. My pros and my cons. I got a few th- good mm. things, a few bad things. Surprise! I have so many good things because I've always been a bit of a uh, Bethesda skeptic. I got really into Bethesda games with Fallout 3 because I didn't love... I, I really enjoyed Skyrim, but I didn't love it as much as most people did. Loved Fallout 3. Couldn't get into New Vegas. Have multiple complaints about uh, Fallout 4. 
I have tried Skyrim multiple times in its various different forms and none of them have really spoken to me. And 76 was Fallout 76. We all played that. So I've (laughs) had no real faith in this game, especially because I think Elder Scrolls 6 would be good because I think Microsoft will really get their hands involved there. But Starfield was far too... uh, They were too far through development when Mm. the acquisition happened to really get that Microsoft influence on it. So I think this will be the last Bethesda game that has that real true Bethesda DNA and jank, which is a good thing. But look, they've they've fixed up a few things here. Um, Showing off combat as the first thing, as the first bit of gameplay for your spacefaring game, your adventure game, your game about exploration. You literally join a group called Constellation, which is the last spacefaring group. You're an explorer. Show us exploration. Why would you lead your game trailer, your gameplay trailer, with a thing that Bethesda's weakest at? Combat. The com- look, the combat looks better than any other, you know, any, anything from like Fallout. It looks, I think it looks a lot smoother, a lot, lot better. I would be ca- comparing it to Cyberpunk, but it's still bad because Cyberpunk yeah. gameplay g- shooting is shit and Fallout is, look, they introduced that's for a reason. Yeah. Because they kind it's of knew that, hey, this is broken as shit. We need basically a cheat code to make it playable. Um, so showing that felt really strange. And it's, d- despite me then bagging out the flight system, the flight system had character. This mm. seems very empty and dry and lifeless. You have these very static health bars above your enemies that just go down. And it's just, it felt overtly mechanical. It, it, it didn't have much fun to it. Aside from when you start using your jetpack. So the part of the trailer where you jump over a ravine and you're shooting people from the sky, that felt badass. So we can see a bit more stuff like that, a bit more items and tricks and blah, blah, blah you can utilize to, to mm. kind of make the combat a little more colorful. All right, cool. I'm up for that. There was one point where you see your character shoot the jetpack on a guy and he just shoots upwards. He's like blows up and then shoots upwards. More of that. That was fun. Yeah. But yeah. I, I wish the trailer focused a bit more on the, the exploration of things. And look, we'll get into the exploration stuff a bit more when we talk about the size of this fucking game. Because holy shit. Um, building ships. Very cool in that. I, I know there's trepidation with outposts because of Fallout 4. I don't mind these outposts that you make because there's a really big thing you get to do with outposts and your spaceship. And you get to recruit people to run them. And yeah, that's true. to me, that is massive. That's going to make you feel like you're genuinely building a community. And it means you must be able to have um, dialogue with other characters at the same level as, say, an Outer, outer Worlds. That's the one. Where you, where the, the gameplay was very much Fallout, but the dialogue options were far, and, far better than, uh, you know, Fallout games and Skyrim and blah, blah, blah. So I'm hoping this story... And not story, sorry, the, the dialogue options, friends of the show, um, they are. are really, really, really robust. So mm, I guess I'm, I'm hope there. Character mm. creation look good. It looks, looks pretty good. deep. It looks really it fun. Does. It um, does, yeah. I love the whole thing of like, you know, you know, you pick your background. So it's like, hey, my background is a diplomat. Okay, so you can have better speech and blah, 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 blah. I would have liked to have seen what some of the uh, attributes you can get are. And how they differ mm. from from Fallout, the, from the special system. I, I kind of I look. I don't love the silent protagonist. 
I don't get it at this point. I, I understand why we used to have silent protagonists and stuff like that in games because it just it's a lot easier to do. Um, and it also helps you create that sort of avatar bond between you and your character because you are the character. It is. It's a role-playing element. That's exactly why it's in But we've had role-playing games we've had. Uh, you, could take, you could pick your, your dialogue option and your, your character says it. I would have preferred that. I, I, I like that. I think it makes a lot more sense. I think there's issues with that system, which is you pick your response and then you hear your, your character say it, right? First off, it's I think a bit of a bit of a joke, but it's based in truth, which is you know, um, oh, oh, can you help me with my groceries? And your options are yes and no. And you go yes, and it's like yes, of course, I will be so happy to assist you in this grand quest of yours. And then if you what say no, it's like no, you fuck playing? you, bitch, go shoot yourself in the face, you dickhead. And then you no, 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 no. So what you're saying is like what you're saying is. <laughs> That system is bad when it's done badly. Yes, you are correct. They but can do it, it well where, you, where yes no, means it, yes and no the, means no. But the thing is, is that it, you either have the binary options or you have, you know, the full dialogue that your character is going to say, but you've already read it. You've read through that dialogue. So you've already processed it, no, and then you've just I got to sit there and listen. Yeah, I don't want to, to hear that. Yeah, no, like, I, I, I think, I, I think the, you, you're both going to the extreme ends of this. There's the a problem, very the easy problem. middle ground here, where if you say yes, have your character, you know, have your yes or no, you know, your negative and your positive answer, or whatever it needs to be. Just make sure that the dialogue that you've recorded and attached to that option actually is in line with what the option would be. So say your bizarre grocery <laughs> anecdote, you know, with groceries, and you say yes, you can say yeah, sure, I'll help you with that. Because that's what that's that's all it needs to be. It doesn't have to have the, every a, bit of dialogue that needs a, to be. Yeah, no, but here's the thing: that's a normal human response. That's not an RPG video game response. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and I Bethesda just are guilty of this in Fallout Four. They oh, literally did that. Right? So yes. I'm glad that they're not doing it now. <laughs> and the thing is, with a silent protagonist, wild. Well, actually, sorry. Rather, with a voiced protagonist, is that they get annoying a lot of the time. For yes, example. A game that we won't talk about today because it's kind of irrelevant. Um, Monster Hunter Rise introduced voice lines for your hunter. So you do a special move and you hear your hunter go, I hope you've got insurance. And it's like, shut. So what we're saying the here singular is... singular fuck up. Because <laughs> I do not sense. want to hear a single fucking line I agree line of this. that bad <laughs> writing is bad writing. I'm not saying, hey, this game should have voice dialogue options, but with the shit as writing possible. Are you expecting good writing? Because if so, my friend, you are missing your jester hat. No, no, no. But I'm saying that's not a reason to be like, nah, they shouldn't do it at all. That game shouldn't do it. No, no, no. You can get good writers. It's not an impossible thing to do because games have done it now. We can't. I, yes, I don't absolutely. think we should like as like as gamers, quote unquote. We could just be like, nah, it was done badly once, or you know, a few times. I never want them to try to do it again. I think it makes the game feel dead. It, it doesn't feel right, especially look. We're fucking ninth generation of consoles and stuff like that. These machines, you could put a fair bit of dialogue on them. You know, you're not struggling for memory on these things. There's no technical no, limitations but- blocking you know us from saying, hey, let's put a shit down a dog on here. And you can get good writers. They exist. There's been some incredible <laughs> dialogue no, no, in video no, games. The the limitations last it's such a baffling thing you guys are saying. <laughs> it's absolutely wild, wildest thing. Yes, I agree. If bad bad writing yeah. in bad writing is bad writing, I will agree with that. I yes, reckon they should have that's some good kind writers of on board. Thing. 
I no, it's Bethesda. Don't get me wrong. I love their games. I think Skyrim. I, I, I is think that's just one a, a of my favorite out. games of all time. But no, but their writing is awful in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to Fallout. They have not handled some of the some of the fun, like in Fallout One and Two. Now, obviously, that's a little bit of bias, but Fallout One and Two, and obviously New Vegas, they have some fantastic writing. But with the game, really give you dog options anyway, witty. right? The game's a dialogue options, right? Yeah. So what? Yeah. You can't just hire somebody to read that out? The options there, well, the writing's there anyway. Like we, if it's bad, sure, we're still suffering through it, regardless. Yes, but at least then you can read it in your own voice or in a funny voice, and you know, deal with it. I, I don't want to have to deal with some guy who's going to talk like this the whole time. Yeah, have you options know, but- for different voices and stuff like that. I, I, anyway, I'm going to pass out because that's baffling to me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> one thing I one thing I did find a little bit like ugh, we've done this before, is the Crimson Fleet. Hmm, I wonder which group group they're based off. We've got the whole Brotherhood of Steel again. It's just like he's he's yeah. like a military body that's getting too big for its britches and has some very grey mor- um, morals and stuff. I'm like ah, whatever. Just I'm stoked to join Constellation. I just want to explore. Bringing us to the last sort of topic with this. Old God Howard himself came out and said, a game going to be big. (laughs) A thousand planets, he reckons. He said that every every system has a sun and has planets revolving around it. And there'll be hundreds of of systems. (laughs) We heard this and... uh, I'm gonna just <sighs> just cut off the cut it off here. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people online comparing this to No Man's Sky. The planet, the planet scale stuff. Okay, I can understand that. But I've literally been seeing people like, oh, they ripped off No Man's Sky because you have a spaceship. So yeah, it's a space fairy yeah. game. What do you what, what do you want? <laughs> oh, because you have to mine for resources. Yeah, thousands of games about that. Have you played games before, mate? <laughs> like, what's happening? I, I think they're, they're, it's getting a lot of unfair comparison to No Man's Sky, where it just look. Yeah, No Man's Sky has done it, but so have dozens of other games. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. the reason I brought up No Man's Sky is because we all probably remember when No Man's Sky was first announced. They said, hey, here's thousands of planets. And then it released, and then, then um, Hello Games are like, oh, no, <laughs> no, none of them work properly. <sighs> what do you reckon is going to happen here, guys? Go on, Kills. I'll, I'll let you oh. uh, take the floor first. I don't know. I assume that Bethesda is going to procedurally generate the vast majority of these planets and then uh, just have their um, artists going to sort of touch it up and just make it somewhat cohesive. Um, If that's the case, sure, that's okay. Um, I'm probably not going to visit the vast majority of those planets because the chances are of there being something worthwhile if you have like a thousand planets, if the chances of there being something worthwhile on every single one of those planets seems slim to none. Um, And if it's just loot, there's, you know, there's no real point to doing that. Um, I I just think it was a, it's a, it's a bit of a cheap selling point. It's just, Mm. it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make me want to play the game more. Um, I'd rather there just be like, you know, a dozen really, well-detailed planets to explore and to to you know really dig into. Simon, 
I pretty much fully agree. In fact, I find the thousands of planets or whatever off-putting. Like, actually, mm. actively puts me off. Because, obviously, they're, they're sort of trying to play a little bit into the fear of missing out. Like, oh, you want to make sure you explore everything because you never know what you can find. And that is <clears throat> part of the charm uh, in a Fallout game or in an Elder Scrolls game. Um, you know, you sort of go off the beaten path a little bit and you discover something totally brand new. And that's fun. Like That's a really fun thing, but that's all been very carefully curated. The team at Bethesda do not have the capability to do that for literally thousands of planets because also how big are these planets in scope? Because if they're realistically sized planets, that's going to take you fucking ages to get through one planet. So going from one to the next and just sort of like, oh, what's in the immediate vicinity? Okay, nothing. I'll go to the next one, rinse and repeat until you find something which just has a stash of gold as soon as you land. Like, no matter how you play through it, I don't think that's going to be an enjoyable part. And that's a big shame. And I'd much rather, as you said, Keelan, you know, a dozen or so well-crafted, cohesive meticulous charming planets you know have three or four of them have you know humans and humanoids have them be civilized and then have the remaining ones be you know just rugged terrain and interesting biomes and things like that like you can do so much more you can do a lot more with a lot less and i think that's what they're sort of straying away from which is a shame I'm so torn on all of this because I think there's a really key thing that old mate Todd said is that in each system, well, th- sorry, throughout the galaxy, you're going to find Goldilocks planets. So these are the planets that are close enough to the sun to support life, but far, far, far away enough that we're not always on fire. So Earth is a Goldilocks planet. There aren't many. Mm-hmm. I think those, go- the Goldilocks planets will be the ones that are inhabited. You will go to systems with no cities or towns or settlements or whatever and those will be crafted and they'll have the you know basis of operation stories to follow narrative plots and side quests and stores and blah 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 that makes sense to me and then i think we'll have the rest of the planets will be resource dumps because i mean think of reality they kind of are they're just like hey Mm. here's the sand planet this one's made of gas. It's cool, that but it's ice. pointless. This one's named after an anus. What's there? Maybe, who knows? I'm going to fly my dick ship right into it, though. Um, here's Pluto. Nice. We dumped it. Sorry. It was shit. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be the case because they mentioned um, resource collecting. Apparently, there's going to be a very, very in-depth crafting system. Plus, you're going to have to get resources to build your ship. You have to get resources to build your bases. So you want resource dump planets. You want to be able to find stuff really easy. And this is coming from somebody who played a lot of No Man's Sky. A lot of the planets are, are boring. But you go there because, like, you scan it, shit ton of silica there, let's go. Let's do it. And that kind of becomes that becomes a really fun loop. I don't, I don't mind that. What has me a bit more concerned is the way that they sold the inhabited planets. Where he's like, hey, you can visit, at, I think it was like Atlantis or something like that. Which is a new Atlantis. Name. New Atlantis, because the old one sunk. Hmm. Um... So you go to New Atlantis on this planet, and then he's like, you can visit here or land anywhere else on this planet. I wish he said you can visit New Atlantis or, you know, on the other side of the planet, you can visit 
whatever, another town or another city. Mm. It seems like these planets maybe will have one hub city and then nothing, maybe a few settlements around it. That's not how planets... Look, this is a wider rant I can have because I hate in science fiction games and movies and stuff like that that each planet has a singular biome because that's not how yeah. planets would work. You know, on Earth, we have deserts and jungles and forests and blah, blah, blah. Fuck off with your forest moon of Endor, okay? <laughs> have something else. Star Wars ruins this for everyone, okay? The desert planet. Plant a tree! Go to a lake for once! God damn it. I mean... Yeah, but then also Mars exists in Earth's... Yeah, but that's why, it's, it's un, that's why it's uninhabited. That's why there's nothing on there. Because it's just red yeah. sand and one robot. <laughs> or maybe two, I can't remember. But I know that one there's, broke. <laughs> there's there's a few robots. Yeah, but they're all sad. One of them had to sing happy birthday to itself and it broke my heart watching it. But <laughs> but that's what I want. I, I would like more complex. If there's only going to be a few Goldilocks planets, say, say like... 15 throughout this galaxy and everything else is going to be a bit more randomized you may get a planet it's like oh it's full of weird monsters and crashed ships all right cool look some of the monsters in this look pretty sick there's like a mm, yeah, big yeah. big neck motherfucker i think it's gonna be a technical as, name but i, I would as, love if you're going into i think this is one of the coolest things they could do with this game so there's a constellations website you can sign up to now no clue what's on it but i'm hoping and oh my god, I can't believe I'm about to say this about a video game. What would be pretty cool would be an app. Just can put it out there. Where you can put down notes about a planet. If you need titanium, for example, you better go on that thing, look up other users, what they've found on this planet, and find out where the titanium is. Because that would make if you have a group who are explorers, constellations, you would communicate with each other, wouldn't you? This is a, a, a group of people trying to explore the cosmos and find out what's out there. So wouldn't it make sense that you could look up something to find out where resources are and it becomes a community effort? But you know that that like kind of passive community like with an Elden Ring where everyone's helping each other but not helping each other? You're just little notes here and there saying, hey, do this, do that. I would like that, something similar to that in this game where people are just like, hey, if you need titanium, this I found a lot in this cave, just heads up. I think that could that could really enrich this game because I, I want it to focus more on the exploration and the constant like finding of resources and then obviously you can start putting in weirder things that people start like knowing Bethesda there will be some very hard to find and cryptically linked puzzles throughout the galaxy and I think it will just help a little bit finding those it could, it could create a very very interesting community I I think you're coming at it from a very idealistic point of view. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I, Sorry, I think, like, just, just, just to clarify, I don't think this will happen. No. But if Todd I, gave me the brown jacket, this is what would be happening. <laughs> and he's got to go with the matching shoes as well. Um, well I can't. Can't give him that. He's never poorly dressed, that man. Um. Anyway... I think, yeah, hypothetically, in an ideal world, yeah, that could be pretty cool. But then the problem with apps and app integration is the guaranteed drop-off after a certain point. Yeah, look, and the apps is a very loose-based idea, but something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Of, Even of if it was in-game. If it was yeah. in-game. Like, again, Elden Ring, people are still leaving notes. 
Yeah, yeah, like that absolutely. That. that that's cool. I think I think that that would work quite well in game. You have maybe a little message board or something that you can pull up on your ship's computer, and it will be faction relative. I think that could be quite fun. That would add a fair bit of flavour. Because um, I'd also know, imagine. Sorry, if you can get, I'm thinking way ahead because the fact that you can hire people has got my my head going. I imagine that you could build ships for people and have um, little scouts go out to different planets to find stuff. So in some way, there will be people or characters, AI, whatever, NPCs going out the planets, scouting them out and telling you where the resources are and coming back. That's a, that's a, that would be, I would be completely mind blown if they didn't include that in this game. It seems like a pretty obvious thing to put in. Yeah, yeah. So if it's already happening, um, why don't we have, you know, other explorers? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I think having having it be faction based could be really cool. If you're explorers just for the sake of exploring, then you know perhaps your message board will be more like, "Hey, check out this really cool part of this planet," um, you know, in System Thirty Two or whatever. Um, and then if you're part of the pirate faction, it'll be like, "Hey, I found this really cool junk heap," and you know, was able to resell all of these ship parts for good money you know stuff like that i think that could be I quite fun when it gets too factiony it becomes e- just like eve online yeah i true. i, I um, think i think really focus on the exploration thing like bethesda games do exploration well i mean when you talk to people about skyrim it's hey i found this cave which had this stuff in it i explored the world and loved it Fallout, you explore the world and you find you find fun, quirky things. No one goes into Bethesda games like I'm gonna play Bethesda games for the combat. No one's ever said that. And if you said that, you know what you are? You're either Todd Howard or a liar. Or both. It just looking at you, Todd, yeah, in that funky yeah. jacket. Oh, I, can't, I can't stop looking at him. That, um, that jacket is made of lies. Look. <laughs> we're gonna get more Starfield. We may get more stuff as part of the extended showcase um, in a few days' time. So we'll be talking about this game for a fair bit over the next 10 or so months before it comes out. But look, I'm I'm on board. Just before we wrap up, though, just give me give me your, your uh, report card for the uh, Xbox Bethesda showcase. I'm giving this a solid B+. Galen? That's... <laughs> I want to give this a B, just a regular B. I think um, uh, Starfield you know, missed a little bit too much. Seven. I'm giving it a B plus because we saw Hollow Knight Silk Song, and holy shit, that looked incredible! Looks so oh, good. Yes. We'll definitely be talking that 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 in the next few weeks. And if you want to keep up to date with those next few weeks, hmm, that was a very strange way to come into that one, wasn't it? You can find That's us enough. on Spotify and iTunes. Just search for Story Mode Every Game Podcast, or you can also search for Love Letters, which is a separate show that we do. Which I'll be bringing back in the next few weeks. I've decided. I've got the energy now. I needed that holiday. Um, while you're there. Make sure you check out uh, other podcasts on the Fan Critical Podcast Network. They'll be, they'll be reviewing movies and TV shows and all sorts of goodies. Uh, speaking of goodies, if you want to keep up to date with our goodies, wait, I'm doing real weird at this one. I'm coming at this at a weird with weird energy. Look, we're on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have the same energy on Twitter. Just a heads up at Stormed AUS. 
We're also on Twitch. We record these podcasts live every week at Stormboard AUS. We also have a bunch of streams, playing different games, doing this, doing that. And of course, you can also follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Jesse Spanner and Simon's at SI421. And as always, direct all complaints to kill the account at Elon Musk. Is that even his address? I think it is. I think it is. I hope one day just one person's like, I don't like voice acting in games. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Simon tweeting yeah, it Elon Musk. Yeah, it is at Elon Musk. At Elon Musk, enemy of the show. Musk. What yeah, a dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> but with that, wrap it up. The actual Elon Musk that is not Keelan. Keelan is not an enemy oh, of the show. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Let's wrap this one up. Uh, we will see you in a few days' time. We do our, our bonus episode, episode 119.5. Um, but until then, stay safe, play some games, and we'll catch you in a few days. Bye. Bye. Bye.